This is Unfilter, episode 66 for September 11th, 2013. My fellow Americans, tonight I want to talk to you about Syria. My fellow citizens. My fellow Americans. I want to talk to you today about brutal massacre of Iraq, Kosovo, Lebanon, Somalia. Our armed forces begin striking selected targets of military importance. To defuse a powder keg at the heart of Europe. To help bring peace. To get the food through. May God bless our country and all who defend her. On this week's episode of Unfilter, in a move that is worthy of a master chess player, Russia's President Vladimir Putin has silenced America's war drums, at least for now. While special interest groups continue to push for war, Americans have awoken from their industrial media-induced comas and taken to the streets. We'll cover the mounting pressure against America's new war. Then, the NSA is caught again, this time subverting industry standards and covertly influencing tech companies. We'll bring you up to date on the latest revelations. Plus, it's your feedback, our follow-up, and much, much more on this week's episode of Unfiltered. Welcome again to another edition of Unfilter, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news that you should not be watching. My name is President Bill Clinton, and joining me every week on this show is the lovely and talented Chris. Hey there, Mr. Clinton. It's good to have you. Thank you. Now, at some point, you're going to have to give up the chair to Chase. (laughs) Let me back in! Come on in, Chase. Come on in. The show started. All right. Yeah, there you go. Hey, Chase. Welcome. Hey, it's hey. It's good to have you here, man. You know, I hate it when Bill uh, jumps in like that. Uh, yeah. He's excited. Can you, can you wait outside, Mr. President? We were doing a little barbecue yeah, earlier. Yeah, I can wait outside. Yeah. All right, very good. All right, so anyway. I put another rack of ribs on the barbecue for um, him. You know, he likes That'll his barbecue. That'll keep him distracted. He does. No, I, it's... Man, today is one of those Northwest summer days. Oh, man. That, that is... It was perfect. Hot. But it was perfect. Yeah. It was, it a little was moist. so good. A little moist. Oh, I'm actually kind of, I'm kind of, it's like one of the rare, one of the rare weeks where we pretty much have kind of good news. Like, it's kind of, except for the NSA well, stuff's kind well, of bad yeah. news. Well, that, that's, that's going to be trending for a while, but we, you yeah. know, we but were, serious stuff's we were certain last week that, you know, we're going to Syria. I mean, it's, it was like, we're I like, it's almost gonna... put it in the red book, but then we just ran out of time. Remember at the end of the show, <laughs> we ran out of time. So it didn't go in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> So I I didn't put it in there, but it, I I was so but I have for the last two weeks been convinced. I mean, you were convinced. I wasn't convinced like you were. You yeah. were like, it's a no brainer. It's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but uh, then we had a huge chain of events that kicked off. Yeah, uh, which we we'll, I figure um, we're gonna recap kind of um, some of the mounting pressure that was building against uh, the Senate and Congress about the serious situation, and then we'll go into the gaffe that uh, Kerry made that sort of kicked a lot of things off, and then the masterful move from Mr. Putin. But I thought. Since we do have a very heavy uh, tech influence in the audience, Mr. Chase, maybe yes. we should start with some of the NSA stuff because, man, has the Internet been freaking out about this. 
And uh, part of it started when we got a real brief report from CBS News. The Washington Post says the NSA broke privacy rules for three years while trying to identify terror threats. The agency searched a massive database of Americans' phone records, a violation of court orders. Oh, okay. Now, the violation of court orders she's referring to is when they got busted once before and were told to stop and they didn't. But I thought, Chris, you know, we have an independent court that looks at these things. Secret court. Yeah, secret court that, you know, hey, they... uh, Rubber stamps. Oh, yeah. No, I thought they review every case right, and, and in thorough detail. Yeah, and you know they, these things are always renewed every month. And no, the part that was carefully reviewed was uh, the judge that Justin Roberts single-handedly picked to put them oh, on the file. That, that was the careful right, review. Okay, part, yeah. got it. Uh, then a little more details came out. Democracy Now uh, dug into the story quite a bit. The the uh, the thing that 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 CBS News report was uh, re- was uh, referring to was actually a different track. Uh, there was files that released. Uh, these were part of what Snowden had uh, published before. And uh, according to uh, the according to these papers, the NSA and the GCHQ from uh, the UK have broadly compromised uh, things that you would consider guarantees that companies have given us for uh, encryption. And the agency's documents reveal that they've adopted a, diff- a battery of different methods and how they do this. And uh, so one of the things Doc- Democracy Now! points out in their report is the NSA has $250 million or so in their budget set aside specifically to work with tech companies. And when those tech companies refuse to work with them, to then covertly insert backdoors into tech company products. Oh, and- that makes you feel warm. Yeah. The Guardian, the New York Times and ProPublica have jo- jointly revealed the National Security Agency is successfully waging a long running secret war on encryption jeopardizing hundreds of millions of people's ability to protect their privacy online. The New York Times writes, quote, the NSA has circumvented or cracked much of the encryption or digital scrambling that guards global commerce and banking systems, protects sensitive data like trade secrets and medical records, and automatically secures the emails, web searches, Internet chats, and phone calls of Americans and others around the world. Okay. Security experts say the NSA program undermines the fabric of the Internet. The revelations are based on documents from the NSA and its British counterpart, GCHQ, leaked by former NSA contractor Edward Snowden. The documents also show the NSA spends $250 million a year on a program which, among other goals, works with technology companies to covertly influence their product designs. The NSA has also been deliberately weakening the international encryption standards adopted by developers. And according to the documents, a GCHQ team has reportedly been working to develop ways into encrypted traffic on the big four service providers, named as Hotmail, Google, Yahoo, and Facebook. So um, this is sounds pretty bad, but when you actually dig into it, it looks like in most cases, with the exception of the NIST standard, a lot of people don't use anyways. Um, it actually isn't as bad as it sounds. This is more like them being really good about working with tech companies to just get them to hand over encryption keys or to give them their certificate, their certs for like SSL um, and or to tap into the fiber and then use brute force decryption in some cases. So it's not like they've necessarily fundamentally cracked all encryption, like something right. like TrueCrypt. Yeah. But it does sound like things that are proprietary products like Microsoft's BitLocker or Apple's File Vault or uh, you know things like that are based on commercial encryption could be potentially backdoored in some cases, although you really don't know. However, one of the things that was interesting that came out is this can really actually be tracked back to Clinton's era. 
Right. It's interesting. If you go back to the mid-90s, that debate was really spawned by the attack on Oklahoma City, which the Clinton administration, on the Oklahoma City courthouse by Timothy McVeigh, which the Clinton administration immediately exploited to try and demand that every single form of computer security or human communication on the Internet be vulnerable to government intrusion. That is. This is Glenn Greenwald being interviewed by Democracy Now. All that there be no encryption to which the governments didn't have the key. And as you said, a combination of public backlash and industry pressure led to a rejection of that proposal. And the industries were particularly incensed by it because they said, if you put back doors into this technology, it'll make it completely vulnerable. If anyone gets that key, if anybody figures out how to crack it, it'll mean that there's no security anymore on the Internet. And so since the NSA and the U.S. government couldn't get its way that way, what they've done instead is they resorted to covert means to infiltrate these companies, to pressure and coerce them, to provide the very back doors that they failed to compel through legislation and through public debate and accountability. And that is is what this story essentially reveals, is that the entire system is now being compromised by the NSA and their British counterpart, the GCHQ, systematic efforts to ensure that there is no form of human commerce, human electronic communication that is ever invulnerable to their prying eyes. And and again, the danger is not just that they get into all of our transactions and, and human communications, but that they're making it much easier for all kinds of other entities to do the same thing. And I think some of this is a little exaggerated, to be honest with you. I'm not actually as paranoid about this as I think Glenn Greenwald is. I'm a little shocked. Why wouldn't you be? Well, I think some of this is based around a misunderstanding, and I think some of this is based around presentations where they're boasting their capabilities, not necessarily being realistic about their capabilities, because um, unless, unless they have access to a class of processors that we really have no concept of in, in, in the civilian populace, which... It seems nearly impossible since the, it seems like everything we hear about their data centers, they're based on common off-the-shelf technology that they just deploy at scale. Right. Uh, the, I'm thinking of their new data center that the NSA is creating. And so I would suspect this is more about them mastering the human angle, um, taking advantage of people doing crafty security best practices, taking advantage of known vulnerabilities. We've, we've covered a report where Microsoft gives them several weeks advance notice about zero-day vulnerabilities in the Windows operating system. If you know that and you can exploit a chase session logged in as user chase, Right, and you're using Microsoft's built-in file system encryption. If I can run an exploit on your system as your user account, it doesn't even have to have administrative access. I just need the same level of access you have, and you could be a lockdown user. I can then de- I then have access to all the files on your computer, regardless of the fact they're encrypted. And so they could be using they could be using malware. They could be using you know interception. Chris, they could use a whole battery. They're only of using this against terrorists. They're they are not using this against normal well, it everyday turns out, citizens. Chase, Chris, uh, it came out this week. Also, the National Security Agency made select amount of information on American citizens available to the Central Intelligence Agency and two other agencies, even though it was prohibited to do so by a court order. I was going to say, isn't that illegal? Yeah. Yeah, this was uh, according to documents that were released Tuesday, not by Edward Snowden, but by National Intelligence Director James Clapper. The unauthorized dissemination of Americans' data, including telephone numbers and email addresses, uh, and were culled from phone records databases on domestic and one and foreign calls. In one of the number of ways in which the NSA has misused the database between 2006 and 2009. Though there are authorized reasons the NSA can share information with outside agencies, the dissemination of activity revealed in documents did not fit those criteria. Huh. Yeah, so good thing the CIA has that stuff, right? Also, the uh, National Counterterrorism Center does, which then works with a variety of agencies. 
for a whole lots of reasons. So why is it that the American public isn't getting too pissed off about this? I mean, I mean here here we are, you know, we're talking about this. This is public knowledge, this is public information. Mm-hmm, People mm-hmm. are readily able to read this. Why is it no one Some of it's starting. You know the 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 element of this that I think has people the most riled up and the timing with Apple's iPhone announcements kind of bad. It's it also came out the NSA has working groups to target the different mobile operating systems. German newspaper Der Spiegel reports that internal NSA documents from previous Snowden leaks detail how the agency has been focusing on tapping into all types of smartphones. The newspaper explains, quote, according to the documents, it set up task forces uh, for the leading smartphone manufacturers and operating systems. Specialized teams began intensively studying Apple's iPhone and its iOS operating system, as well as Google's Android mobile operating system. Another team worked on ways to attack BlackBerry, which had been seen as an impregnable fortress until then. So uh, this this is this is disgusting, right? So they set up these working groups that specifically go after the different mobile operating systems. They talk about how they take advantage of flaws in, in Android. They also the one that is you might remember is remember that a location database flaw in iOS, where it was just indefinitely tracking you in like a SQLite database file. Yep. Uh, the NSA was actively using that during the time. Of course. They knew about it and they were using it now. But we got an email from Anonymous via the bit message. Yeah. And I think he sums up what a lot of what I've read online. You want to read that yeah, one? Yeah. So he goes, 5S has a fingerprint reader. Dun, dun, dun. The i5OS. I'm sorry. Let me try that again. The iPhone 5S is a trap. So now the NSA can collect all of our calling data, our location, and our fingerprints. Great. Yeah. A comment. When can I buy one? Can I get in line right now? I just can't wait to turn over my biometric details to the cloud. Ding, ding, ding. So people have been blown up about this. I've gotten a lot of emails about this is an NSA tracking device. What what I – and I I say good on you. Everybody should have a good, healthy dose of skepticism. Um, Apple claims they're storing the fingerprints locally in the A7 chip um, and that the the, uh, touch sensor actually doesn't even communicate with the operating system. It communicates directly to the chip and then the chip provides an authorization token to the operating system. But I agree, if it's not open source, you don't actually know if that's what's happening. However, here's the part that I kind of want to rail on you guys about because this really bothers me. And I think it is – you need to heed my warning. Android is no better, my friends. I remind you that Android has a facial unlock feature. What the hell do you think that's for? That's to build a facial recognition database, and they're tying it to your Google ID, right? There's the uh, there's the Atrix that has a fingerprint reader. Okay, how come we're not complaining about the Moto X, which has an always listening chip? Yes, I realize that chip is designed to only listen to the words, okay, Google, but we've heard about the FBI turning on OnStar in people's car. What says they couldn't turn on the Moto X to listen to whatever they want to? Why aren't we being just as paranoid Chris, about Google? Chris, Chris. This sounds a little bacon here. Yeah, I mean, come on. I, now. I just want to. I just want to remind people that um, while we, while we, while we are very skeptical of Apple, we give Google a free pass all day long about this kind of stuff. And I think if there's any company you should be more worried about, one company literally exists to collect as much information about you as possible. Which even if they're not compromised, the NSA. no, Google. Oh. Commercial, but yes, the NSA. They're very similar in a lot of ways. They are, are both very interested in a lot of the same things. And you you cannot convince me that that does not make them an extremely tempting target for the NSA. That's true. So I say, I say, if you're going to put your tinfoil hat on, you better look at all of the vendors like this because they're all possible. So, so what you're saying, Chris, it's better to go back to a candy bar phone. Maybe. I mean, do you remember, do, do you remember the little uh, carrier ID scandal that we had recently? Yeah. Where... 
essentially all major Android devices had massive trackware installed yep. by the carrier. So the other problem is, I remember that is what Android is. Is Android is a bastardized open source operating system. It has been bastardized by these OEMs. They install their hooks at the radio level at the kernel level and at the user space level throughout the entire operating system, these carriers and these OEMs like HTC and Samsung insert their own proprietary code that on numerous occasions has been shown to be vulnerable. And we're talking serious vulnerabilities. Then when you combine the fact that multiple Android phones go out in the market and then never receive appropriate updates, they become walking exploit machines. So, yes, I agree. This does The iPhone 5S has potential to be abused by the NSA just like it could be abused by anything else. But the Androids, are you are no safer on any other platform. But Chris, it can take really good pictures. That's true. And the GPS tags them for me. Yeah, and the that is pretty is really nice. nice. Yeah, that is pretty nice. Yeah. I just... I just I get I get a little upset because I feel like uh, people just give that too much of a free pass because Google mentions things are open quite often and yeah. then we all get hard about I think, that. I think it comes down to picking your battles and you know this is one of those battles where a lot of people are married to their smartphones. I don't think so. I don't I, think, I think it's a lot of people are. No, I think they what don't it, think about these things. They don't care. I think it's fanboy. I think it's fanboy biasm that influences their thought process. So I what because the reason why I disagree is because I don't even think it's so much about. I think it's I think it's hating Apple first. Everything rational thought comes second is I, is what I feel just based on the emails I'm seeing. It feels like the point is is everything Apple does is absolutely evil and everything Google does is good. Google, Google is good. Apple is evil, and I think that is a dramatic mischaracterization of what Google is. And I don't think it's so much about picking your battles. I think it's about crucifying one platform that you disagree with. And sort of shutting down critical thinking about the other platform. And I just want to encourage that everybody look at both platforms yeah. and the other platforms. I, I look at all, you know, positive negatives for all platforms. I mean, you've known me for a while, Chris. I mean, when we when we first started doing this, I had an iPhone. Now I'm on an Android phone. Yeah. Hopefully in a few weeks I'll be on a Windows phone. It's like me. Uh, it, I've doesn't, got, it doesn't I, matter I've got to like me. all platforms. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where as us as technology yeah. guys, we love to learn about the positives and negatives of all the platforms. I feel like, though, it's to the point where uh, I almost want to get on the side of the street and hold a sign up that says, beware of Google. Really? Because... Now, that would be really Baconish. It's It's one of those things I where think, anyway. there's going to be a point where you may wish you could have opted out, and it, it'll be too late. Just have to, there's a possibility. And when you look at the integration of Google Now in the phone... It's pretty weird. It, it, it is, there is, there's elements of it that are surveillance, and for good and for bad. And as, as long as Google could keep that for good, it, we're, we're, it's, the, the discussion is over. Where does Facebook fit into this? I mean, there's another big treasure trove of Ob- data. Obviously, and absolutely. And they're definitely a player on the web, but Facebook isn't making things that go in my pocket that I've always on microphones, right? I mean, and... But and, is it Google or is it Motorola? Well, they're one and the same in this case. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, but isn't Motorola, like, they're the ones who made the phone. They're the ones who added those features into the right. software. But, but mean, it wasn't Google. It was Motorola who added that in. But Google had to specifically add features to Android to make it work. That's why the Motorola X ships with the version of Android it does. Right. So, I mean, they're working together. Right. I mean, they are one company. I'm just going to go buy the NSA phone. <laughs> I'm just gonna, yeah. Well, that's what they all are, right? They all right. are the NSA no, phone. I mean, because I, I want to just say NSA phone on the shelf. It's going to get great reception. I'm going to... I know that all copies of my data is in their database. So if I lose my phone, drop it. That'd be the nice, pool, right? I can the get the NSA a backup. cloud. Yeah. The NSA cloud. I get yeah. a backup of all my they data. Got like NSA Carbonite. Yeah. Be, 
I, uh, NSA Carvin. You know, I mean, the reality is, is these are mobile operating systems that have always on listening connections to the internet. So they are exploitable by the very definition of because humans made that software and they ha- and these things have connections to the net. They're probably going to be exploitable. At least they have good battery life. Yeah. You know, that's the real – that if the NSA were to hack our phones and re- reduce battery life, that would be the true shame. In a presentation that got leaked this week, uh, the NSA said that uh, iPhone users and smartphone users are zombies and they have no concern about security. The only thing that users care about is reception, and so they're easy to take advantage of. And they had a, they had a slide up that had a picture of Steve Jobs. Yeah. And it said – and this is on the present, – this is on the NSA's presentation. Yeah. So put your mind at this. On it said, and they had 1984 yeah, up on the up I'm on sure. the NSA's presentation. They had they, and they had a picture of the Steve Jobs commercial, and then they said, "Who thought that these people would usher in Big Brother?" Because they are exploiting the iPhone right to monitor people. Yeah. but they're they're the Big Brother. Yeah. I mean, they're pinning that on the technology companies, but they're the ones that are abusing them. Yeah, it's but. That level of realization is creepy to me. Like the fact that they're putting the NSA is putting 1984 on their slides. Who knew in 1984? What's it say? Uh, well, I can't. It's like some sort of acronym. Oh, it essentially says like that. Who knew that they? Who knew that the people that were advocating about 1984 would be the be, be would be the company to bring us 1984? But that is. Oh, who knew 1984 that iPhone location services would be existing today? I mean, it's just it's creepy. It's just extremely creepy. The fact that they're even referring to themselves, but I don't know. Uh, anyways, I, I digress. My point is I just want to encourage everyone to think more critically about it. And yeah, whatever. We'll just yeah. move on from there. I just it really I'm really worried that people are not putting Google uh, up to enough scrutiny. But I leave it at that. I've made my I've made my bit and we'll move on. In fact, why don't we pick things up a little bit before we jump into the serious stuff, Mr. Yes, Chase? Absolutely. I want to thank this week's supporters now the unfiltered show is listener supported we don't take any ad breaks and then we kind of have to we what we feel like is technically an ad break yeah. Brought to you by the supporters. We feel like this is it. Like this is the little moment. Brought where, to you by where, listeners like you. Where we take a moment, we do our PBS thing, everybody pays their dues, and this way we don't uh, And by Monsanto. We don't have to play that numbers game. The show a new show shouldn't and be chasing Coca Cola. Yeah, you know, it'd be like if every time we'd have to just have the craziest headline, the new show should not be like and that. And by Apple. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the new iPhone five S now available in stores. Ding. It is so smooth and it's so beautiful. Just put your finger on there. It's just touchy. And uh, back it up to iCloud. Now uh, no, 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 no. We we actually are only answerable to you. So if yes. you'd like to become an Unfiltered supporter, here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get to 333 supporters. That three, way we three, can three. fund one day of one production. One whole day. And uh, you can help us by clicking that supporters link in the show notes. And I want to thank our new supporters this week. Uh, yes. Anonymous came in via BitMessage. Anonymous, you know, they are a great group. Uh, thank not, you. Not that guy. You're going to get us in trouble. Now, I think this is Vital. Vital, What yes. do you think? Vital yeah, I think T? so. Craig T, Craig H, and Colin H. Craig C. Craig C. Colin H. And then user. And then user. Yeah. And then Jack up L. Yeah. Nice. So that brings us to, now I have, I have to go through and do some pruning. So I think that number is going to drop. But right now that brings us to 177 supporters. Now you supporters get the uh, supporter show, which has right now the supporter shows clocking in about about, one, about an hour and uh, change. Hour and change, which is always nice. Very Lots nice. of good clips. We, because it is 9-11, we played a couple things about that. And we also played some, what I like to call context clips, to give you a little more about what we covered Give you more in-depthness. Yeah. And a good story from you. Yeah, well, it was an okay story. It was a good story. Yeah. It was a real good story. That's all right. All right, Chase. So uh, thank you, everyone. If you'd thank like to you. become a supporter, you'll keep us on there and you keep this show going. And uh, we are trying to get to that goal as fast as possible because until then, the show loses money. And that makes me a bad business person. And I feel ashamed. Well, I feel you, you know, it's one of those things where, like any good business, some some businesses are successful, 
and some businesses fail. But That's it all true. but it all comes down to the support of the public. And if uh, if you guys don't like it, you know, the message is in, in the in the supporting. That's it's really like, it is. You know, and the other thing too is when I get notifications about a new subscriber, it's a validation of the hard work. Yeah. Because it's like and, and I, I have had times where I'm really tired and I'm worn out. And I really don't feel like pushing myself much more. But then I see those emails and I'm like, you know, that there's something about that. The real value is being exchanged there. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. With that filed, Mr. Chase, it's time to play as the chat room. What's going to happen, you guys, is Chris is going to ask a question to you guys in the chat room. If you know the answer, we're going to give you accolades of all imaginations. Now, Chris, what is today's question? All right, Mr. Chase. Well, I thought we'd try something a little new. All right. uh, before we jump into uh, <laughs> whether it's an NSA. <laughs> they're already guessing. Well, we already did the NSA stuff. Wait, I know, but they're like, it's NSA. It could be. It could be. All I right, guess. But, but, I, but, but, but what's the question, Chris? I was going to say, ask, ask the chat room, Mr. Chase. Uh, yes. And I think a lot of people can guess this one, but what nation stepped in at the last minute to avert a potential strike on Syria. Which nation? What nation? You can name the president or the nation. All right. Stepped in about a Friday evening. All right. I, I <laughs> Maybe riding a big bear. I think I think we... <laughs> you guys. All right. Uh, go ahead and pull it, Chris. I think uh, we have... I don't know. Are you ready, Chase? Uh, Are you ready? I, I am. Go okay, here we go. It. All right, ben Diggs is saying Russia... That would be correct. Very yes, nice. Russia this week. Uh, uh, coming in a close second is Slips with Quebec. I'm pretty proud of myself. La- I think I <laughs> finished up last week's show and I said, you know, Obama is underestimating Putin. Yeah. And I think I nailed it because, yeah, 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 it's been an interesting couple of days. All right, so let's kick it off with Syria. Uh, the thing, the, before Behut, before Putin rode in on his big bear without when he wasn't wearing a shirt, um, there was definitely a lot of pressure building up against the suits in D.C. about a strike on Syria. I got to say. I gotta say, I was a little impressed by the American public. As Congress prepares to consider military action in Syria, protesters turned out Saturday in New York City and in front of the White House. They demonstrated what public opinion polls are showing repeatedly, that the American public doesn't want to get involved. We say no more! But disregard for public opinion in such matters is hardly new. Two-thirds of Americans say it's not worth fighting. So, so you not you don't care what the American people think? No, that's a flashback to uh, Cheney on the lead up to Iraq. Well, I think uh, you cannot be um, blown off course by the uh, uh, fluctuations in the what public arrogance. opinion polls. Fast forward what to a arrogance. different time, country, and administration, but the disconnect between a president and a people remains. A CNN poll released Monday found that 7 in 10 Americans think airstrikes wouldn't achieve significant goals or be in America's national interest. Why would you put down a regime and hand al-Qaeda or a terrorist group a rule of a country? President Obama acknowledged, however, that the government could move forward without the American public on board. That's great uh, Ultimately, you listen to your constituents, but you've also got to make uh, some decisions uh, about what you believe uh, is right for America. Uh, and that's the same uh, for me as President of the United States. There are a whole bunch of decisions that I make that are unpopular, as you well know. Americans also came out to plead with Congress and the president. I have my entire family. I have my mom. I have my sisters, my brothers, my cousins, everybody that I love. And, I, and, and, and I'm so passionate to see once again 
This war, if it started, it's going to take all this out of my heart. And protesters questioned the evidence of chemical attacks being presented. There's a lot of reports that it's the rebels that are doing the, the chemical warfare. There was an accident that uh, they dropped some weapons. Who knows what really happened? These Baltimore residents were hoping their representative, Elijah Cummings, would listen to voters like them. We sent a message to say we'll never forgive him if he does, if he votes for the war. In a radio interview, Cummings recently admitted... Let me tell you something. When you've got 97% of your constituents saying no, it's kind of hard to say yes. Meanwhile, Senator Dianne Feinstein of California, head of the Senate Intelligence Committee, doesn't share Cummings' struggle about the phone calls her office gets. I hate this woman. Listen to the way she sort of laughs off the question like, those silly children. What's coming in is overwhelmingly negative. There's no question about that. But you see... Then they don't know what I know. They haven't heard what I heard. I'm starting to think we know a lot more than you do, Diane. <laughs> and you know, and if that's the case, Diane, tell us if that's really the yeah. case. Then, yeah. Diane, why don't you? I don't know. Share that information no, with in, your constituents. In fact, the Obama administration has refused a request by the AP to share the uh, evidence. And and at the G20 summit, what Russia, uh, Putin's Putin's Russia was, whatever, was uh, quoted as saying like he's seen the evidence he's been shown is 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 a joke. Um, now, all of this is what's what was fascinating about these series of events is all of this is happening very fast. The situation is changing rapidly Thursday and Friday, and uh, this is all building to Obama is going to be giving uh, a speech soon. And so, you know, everyone was expecting Obama to come out and say, this is what we're doing. And before that moment happens, there's an offhanded comment that John Kerry makes when after just you know, almost like 30, 40 minutes of being hounded about where's the evidence by p different uh, groups outside the U.S. that came to uh, to a special press conference. Right. And finally, exasperated, kind of just like, Kerry's just kind of like rolling his hand in the air, and he just kind of offhandedly says... He could turn over every single bit of his chemical weapons to the international community in the next week. Turn it over. All of it. Uh, without delay, and allow a full and total accounting for that. Uh, but he isn't about to do it, and it, it can't be done, obviously. A U.S. official quickly chalked up Kerry's statement to, quote, a rhetorical argument. But Russia saw a real game plan in what some considered a gaffe, encouraging Syria to take action, saying, we're calling on the Syrian authorities to not only agree on putting chemical weapon storage under international control, but also for its further destruction. Syria responded just an hour later, their foreign minister saying, I declare that the Syrian Arab Republic welcomes Russia's initiative. It is a potentially positive development. I have to say that it's unlikely that we would have uh, arrived at that point uh, where there were even public statements like that without a credible military threat uh, to deal with the chemical weapons use inside of Syria. Well, now that's a that's a that's a uh, pretty common um, line now being put out there. Do you agree with that? Do you think we would have maybe had Putin have to step in? And do you think Syria would say, okay, yeah, we'll hand them over if it wasn't for this imminent strike about to happen? I probably. Yeah, I would yeah. think so. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and now uh, now the question is: is does that justify uh, continuing to seek authorization? But even as support seemed to grow, some question if this is the answer. If the regime immediately surrendered its stockpiles... You recognize that voice? ...to international uh, wait, control... Wait, 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 wait. That wait, would on. be an important step. But this cannot be another excuse for delay or obstruction. Chase, a sentiment shared...
Do you recognize that? Uh, why is my wife? She why is she talking? <laughs> I don't know. She she's not, she's not in the office. She's not working. She held a press conference. Why? Hillary Clinton held a press conference. Why? I do not know. I guess we have to listen get, to her. Get my wife on the phone. <laughs> we have to listen to her why until she, the election. Why, why? This is her staying relevant. But she's not in office. I know. She's retired. It's obnoxious. This, it, it's obnoxious. It, I, I, I agree. All right, continuing on. By the wow. president. We don't want just a, a stalling or delaying tactic to put off the, the pressure that we have on there right now. Now, think of it this way. The Obama administration up until yesterday was sort of cruising down the expressway to a military strike. This latest development, this uh, offer of a proposal from Russia and Syria, you can think of it sort of as maybe pulling off on the side of the road. But when President Obama makes his case tonight to the American people, he'll still make his case for military action, we're told by a senior administration official. And he will at least be saying that it's this threat of military action that has yielded yielded this potential avenue. So uh, I thought we could sit here and we could spend 15 minutes of our precious time listening to Obama talk very, very slowly, or we could listen to the fast food version from ABC. Good Wednesday morning. The president has tried to make his case to the American people about the crisis in Syria. President Obama acknowledges that a diplomatic solution may be in the works. There are high-level meetings in Geneva tomorrow, but he wants the military option just in case. We have live team coverage this morning, and we begin with ABC's Tamon Bradley in Washington. Good morning, Tamon. Good morning, Diana. Good morning, John. It was a rare primetime address. The president of the United States speaking to the American people about the need for military action in Syria, even as he explores a diplomatic solution. From the East Room of the White House, President Obama told the nation the strike on Syria is on hold while he gives diplomacy a shot. Over the last few days, we've seen some encouraging signs, in part because of the credible threat of U.S. military action. Syria says it has agreed to a Russian plan to turn over its chemical weapons to international authorities. Sensing the proposal may be his best option, the president said he will continue talks with Russian President Vladimir Putin, while Secretary of State John Kerry heads to Europe for high-level meetings. But if diplomacy fails, the president argued that a U.S. military strike is in the national interest and that the horrors committed by the Assad regime demand a response. When, with modest effort and risk, we can stop children from being gassed to death yeah. and thereby make our own children safer over the long run. I believe we should act. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, now, we actually got an email that came into the uh, Unfilter show, and I yeah. thought maybe this would be a good spot to address it. Uh, you, want, you got that there, Chief? Yeah, I sure do. This All came right. in from Brian, and this was regards to Obama and Syria. And he said uh, – he just read a speech from Obama's Syria speech. The one we said, just played. Yep. Yeah. And he said the two quotes that stood out to me were, quote – I determined that it is in the national security interests of the United States to respond to the Assad regime's use of chemical weapons through a targeted military strike and, quote, but with the modest effort and risk, we can stop children from being gassed to death and thereby make our own children safer over the long run. I believe we should act. Mm -hmm. There seems to be a major gaps in logic here that aren't making any sense to me. How stopping children from being gassed in Syria make our our children in the United States any safer? Note the meme, save the children. And how is it in the interest of national security for us in the U.S. to respond? Is it just seems that he's use, using this national security as an excuse? We've been giving the government a blank check for national security for the last decade. 
Keep up the great work, guys. So uh, I can sum up. I can actually answer his question, but it just leads to another logical paradox. So what their argument is, is that if the use of chemical weapons continues, eventually those chemical weapons will fall into the hands of rebels, either because they're moving them around so much that eventually like an envoy will get attacked and the rebels will grab them or what something won't fire properly or whatever. They get into the hands of the rebels. And then once the rebels get them, then the rebels, like Hezbollah or Al-Qaeda, might take those same and bring them overseas and use them against us with some homegrown terrorism thrown in there for flavor. But here's the logical paradox. Obama's administration is for regime change. If regime change happens, it's likely one of these radical groups that ends up in charge and they would have access to the very chemical weapons that the former government had access to. Right. It would thereby not only create the same exact problem they're trying to prevent, but actually, I would assume, but I could be wrong, but I would assume, give them the actual means to execute it. Right. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But it seems like to me that's 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 the same problem regardless. Yep. Yep. I think so, you nailed uh, it. We'll continue on on the report yes. from Everything. But in both the House and Senate, more members oppose a strike on Syria than support it. The same is true of the public. Nearly two-thirds of Americans are opposed. My short answer to this is not no, but hell no. The president tried to address critics who say a limited military strike won't make a difference. Let me make something clear. All right. The United States military doesn't do pinpricks. Even a limited strike will send a message to Assad that no other nation can deliver. Our dick is so big that when we slap it down on the table, that table breaks. <laughs> the president did not say how long he's willing to wait for this Russian plan to work, wow. nor did he say what would make it credible in his mind. Diana, John. All right, ABC's Tamon Bradley, live in Washington for us this morning. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Sorry. Thump. I was just throwing that on the I table. I think you just took out a few chemical weapons depots with that. Yeah. Uh, now, this really... I The American media is not really... Giving Putin and the Russian administration, whatever it is, I don't even know what you, I, they're not giving that government enough credit. And not only has this been a pretty masterful move, but Putin's saying, look, the only way this is going to work is if the U.S. is serious and actually calls off its strike. Russian president has given his first public reaction to RT on events surrounding Syria and its agreement to hand over chemical weapons stockpiles to the U.N. We asked Vladimir Putin how the idea came about and... This is what he had to say. Vladimir? It is well known that Syria possesses a chemical weapons arsenal, which they've always considered a counter to the nuclear weapons possessed by Israel. Russia All right. Hold that bit in mind, because that's extremely important. Syria, this is their trump card. This is what's one of the things that's kept them standing around. They've, they've had these chemical weapons to sort of sort off the more bigger, meaner, badder bad guys that are nearby, or maybe good guys, depending on your perspective. It would be... Um, it would be a major playing card to hand up if they were to get rid of these chemical weapons. I, I mean, it would be not only a, a huge psychological one, but I mean, it would literally leave them exposed to a major attack. This position is clear on this. We are against proliferation of both chemical and nuclear arms. In Syria, this is particularly important, and we discussed this issue with President Obama at the G20 summit. This question was also frequently discussed by other politicians and experts about putting these chemical weapons under international control. We've agreed to step up our efforts and ask the U.S. Secretary of State to work with the Russian Foreign Minister and move this forward. 
On September the 9th, we heard John Kerry's statement. He said it's an important issue which needs to be dealt with, and we agree. Syria's foreign minister is in Russia right now, and Sergei Lavrov talked to him, and the Syrian side reacted positively to that proposal. We now hope that our Syrian colleagues will make an important decision and put their chemical arms under control, agreeing to have them destroyed and join the Chemical Weapons Non-Proliferation Treaty. So here's what Russia is trying to move forward. And and this is what's interesting is they're not just trying to defuse this strike. But in, in this, they will, I believe, I could be, have this element wrong, but they, they will look after uh, the actual extraction of the weapons, although it would be UN, it would be UN inspectors that come in. Okay. Um, the other element to this is then to actually get Syria to sign on to the anti-chemical weapons ban. Oh, so wow. the other so the other nations that have signed on to that. So it's like this it's it's not only you get rid of the weapons, but then you also achieve this goal of getting Syria to sign this, which up until now they've refused to sign. So this is like a double win if if they pull this off. Wow. All of this could become an important step to resolving the Syrian crisis, but it can only work if the U.S. and its allies agree not to use force against Syria. It's very difficult to force any country to disarm unilaterally when it knows it can fall under the threat of military action. If if you are under a constant assault and, you know, some of the biggest, baddest military powers in the world are breathing down your neck... I could, I mean, I, I'm not justifying any means, but I could see their position on maybe not wanting to give up that one wild card. We'll work together with our Syrian and U.S. partners, and we hope this will be a great step towards a peaceful solution to the crisis. Now, this could, so we haven't actually really heard officially, I don't believe, other than during an interview with Charlie Rose, Assad said, you know, he'd be open to any idea. But I believe, other than that comment, we actually haven't heard anything from Assad directly. We've only no, been we hearing, haven't. yeah, we've from been hearing from lower levels, yeah. Right, yeah. But this does seem pretty positive, and I, I can see Putin's point that the U.S. has to make a firm commitment here. And I, 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 I when I hear that interview, even though it's coming through a translator, uh, to me, he looks and seems like a man who is completely in charge of this situation right now, and he has put Russia in the middle of this thing with the Snowden situation and with this completely re-establishing Russia as a major player in Middle East politics, and not only this, but they're looking like the guy in, wearing the white cape, saving well, us, riding a bear well, up, yeah. without a shirt on. <laughs> Which did look pretty good, yeah. by the way. I mean, I just think this is this is like, it, it totally shatters the uh, uh, narrative that we've been taught growing up. Russians are the bad guys, Americans are the heroes, always talking diplomacy. You know, to bring it back to Snowden a little bit, it, do you think the reason why he's, he's acting this way, because he knows he's got Snowden in his backyard, literally, like, pitching a tent back there and he's hanging out i don't know i mean do you think i mean it's just so weird to hear putin come out this way and actually i don't know speak logically this is just weird to me i would say that it maybe has emboldened him yeah maybe you know it's just not like him i mean usually it's the other end it's the other way well putin's really only been back in power since 2012 so he hasn't had a lot of opportunities that's true now 2013 has been his year not a lot of bears i do kind of you know what as i do often though I kind of have to give it to Shep. He makes some good points. He's kind of skeptical. He says things like this. Are we like going this, to Studio B? We're going to go to Studio B because you know why? He's got to point out things never go this well. The Russians have a proposal. The Syrians are all about it. They've never admitted they have chemical weapons until 45 seconds ago. But now not only do we have them, we're going to give them to you. We will show them to you and you can come and have them and we will give away the chemical weapons that have given us all this power for all this time. Now, the Secretary of State John Kerry is off to Geneva, Switzerland 
to meet with the Russian uh, counterpart, Sergei Lavrov, and they're going to talk about Syria. And in the meantime, Syria's foreign minister goes, we're good to go. We don't think anyone should use chemical weapons. The day after their own president said they didn't use chemical weapons and the rebels used it on them. But now it's all wrapped up in a nice tight little bow. We even have these long statements perfectly translated into English by these people. It all fits together perfectly. Things don't ever fit together perfectly. Catherine Herridge is live in Washington. This, this, is, this is a bigger mess than any conspiracy theorist, and I know a lot of them, that anyone could have dreamed up. Where are we now? Well, based on this uh, proposition by the Russians, they're opening the door for U.N. inspections uh, on the face of it inside of Syria. And having been in Iraq in the late 90s when the U.N. inspectors were there trying to confirm whether the Iraqi government had chemical or bi biological weapons, you can see that there are problems of scale. Syria is said to have one of the largest chemical weapon stockpiles, so securing that and being open or transparent about the location is problem number one. And number two is just that these UN programs or foreign inspection programs are, are always subject to delay. It's sort of a, a com, uh, inspection by committee, if you will, and that seems to be what the proposal is uh, opening the door to, Shepard. And all of a sudden you give UN weapons inspectors in. By definition, UN weapons inspectors are from all over the place. And when things don't go well, they're perfect little human shields, aren't they? Well, one of our experiences reporting in Iraq in the late 90s on the UN weapons inspection program is that you had that scenario where the inspectors were at the front door of the palace, and then at the back door you had the Iraqis going out, and then this issue of human shields uh, as a potential as well, Shepard. So they, should, they raise a couple of interesting points. One, delays in, in the potential yeah. where, uh, I mean, these people will be going into a war zone. There's still a civil war going. I mean, of course, there's this massive civil war going on, and you're going to send those people in to get this stuff. And you got to wonder how that actually would play out and how fast it could actually conceivably play out. And Senator Graham points out that uh, now that we've gone through this trouble, if Assad does anything else, he's going to get hit. And he lays it all out in this very awkward chat on CNN. Okay, so game it out for us. Let's say it doesn't work out, which the, I think we right. can all agree the odds right. are it's not right. going to work. But right. we all hope it will, but right. it, it probably won't. Right. Then what? Then what does the president and the president to do? has to use military force to strike Without Syria. Congress, even even after he's talked about the oldest constitutional democracy in my view, after denied, he has no civilization. Options. So you think but he, he can't set the hide behind us? Could he get a vote by Congress? Could he? Get he can't hide behind us. Wow. Get the authorization. Well, from I don't know if he moved the, the numbers weeks. tonight in the House. It seems highly unlikely. No, no, but in a few weeks, if this well, I don't know. Russia I don't know. I don't work. know if things change. Anything's possible. But I'm assuming right now that two weeks from now, the House will not can, authorize. Can you, you, you had you had dinner with the president and the vice mm -hmm. president a couple of days ago. You had some. Can ribs. you give us a little behind the scenes? Anything that us? maybe we should know about what that their like? thinking? I know. Yeah, the president's working really hard, and he's taking <laughs> this really seriously. <laughs> No, but he really is. this is a Republican senator who yeah. is, yeah. you know, no, it just is, sounds is like not, the kind of thing that is the, not uncontested the back home. Go off the record and say the president's awesome. I mean, the easiest thing, easiest thing politically for me at home, if Obama says A, I say B. You know, when Bush made some mistakes in Iraq, I said, hey, I think this is a mistake. But at the end of the day, I know the president has screwed this up in about a thousand different ways. But name a time when some things haven't been screwed up in foreign policy. This is not the first time, but this may be it really at the top of the list of, of how to screw things up. Okay. I think he really is trying to find a way to get the answer right. But after tonight's speech, there is no other right answer. If diplomacy does not achieve the desired result of taking these weapons off the market, he must act. And if I was in Syria tonight, 
and I heard this speech. I don't know what it's going to do here in America, but if I'm aside, I've got to believe after tonight I'm going to get hit. And he, I don't know if you heard it in there, but they asked him what his timetable would be. Did you catch it? No. One to two weeks. One to two weeks to get this all done. Uh, however, it's, uh, it's some people estimate it could actually take years. Undeterred, U.S. officials say they will still seek a force authorization and that that will only strengthen diplomacy. Nothing focuses the mind like the prospect of a hanging. How beautiful is that? Wow. So we're going to move forward, even though these, this peace process has started, but probably not necessarily unwisely. It could be a delay tactic. So maybe if we move forward, we continue to mount pressure. Looming over the negotiations, deep distrust that the Syrians are truly committed to giving up their chemical weapons for good and that Russia is committed to making them keep their word. When you see the plane loads of Russian arms uh, flying into Damascus on a daily basis, tons and tons, when you see the Russian uh, veto time after time of any resolution in the Security Council, I think it's ample reason uh, to be skeptical. But the practical obstacles to ridding Syria of chemical weapons may be even more imposing than the diplomatic. Syria has 1,000 tons of numerous chemical agents, including ingredients for mustard, sarin, and VX gas. In six known sites and many more unknown, now likely dispersed and hidden as the U.S. has considered strikes. All this in a country in the middle of a civil war. This is one of the, one of the largest chemical stockpiles in the world, as you say, at a number of sites, and dispersed already from those sites. Yeah reasonable time frame to reliably put them all in one place and get rid of them. It will take weeks to get inspectors there to conduct an initial inventory. The Graham, which I'm assuming is probably coming from the Israeli lobby, wants a one to two week timetable. This guy's saying one to two weeks just to get the inspectors there. I can get on a plane and get there in, what, 20 hours? Well, the problem is war zone. To secure the site will probably take several months. Destroying the weapons, that will take years. Because if One thing, if I'm a rebel, I'm going to watch where these inspectors go. And I'm like, oh, there's some chemical weapons in there? All right, everybody, let's go get those chemical weapons. And you attack the inspectors, you take the weapons, and you uh. run. Right? So now they got to defend them. Those estimates do not account for the fact that Syria is also a country at war where the difficulty of even the simplest tasks is magnified inventorying weapons, transporting them, destroying them, and keeping inspectors safe. These are some of the questions Secretary Kerry and his team, now including a Pentagon WMD experts, will be addressing and testing with their Russian counterparts. There you go. It is a cluster F. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. There's a highlight, though. Oh? Some people are making some good money. Well, we now know who stands to gain the most from a military strike on Syria. The industrial military complex? You know how we love to follow the money, Chase. Financially speaking, that is. It's, of course, the defense industry, which has already seen a rise in its stock prices <laughs> since U.S. officials first started talking about military action. In what fact, am I doing right Boeing, now, Chris? General Celebrating. Dynamics, and Lockheed Martin all saw huge gains immediately after after August 21st, yep. which is the same day a chemical attack took place in the country. Yep. But front in line... So the day of the attack, August 21st, stocks go up. Bing! 
trying to get the big bucks is Raytheon, a defense that company bell. that began to see a huge surge after an Obama administration official was quoted saying that an attack would likely include Tomahawk cruise missiles, yeah. the same missiles that Raytheon produces. Yeah. The company's stock additionally climbed on August 26, the day UN inspectors arrived to Syria to investigate the use of chemical weapons. Yeah. In fact, Raytheon saw its share jump to $77.93, yeah. which marked the highest price for its stock in the last 15 years. Yeah. But it seems what goes up must come down, oh. because as soon as discussion of congressional opposition to the no. strike began, Raytheon's stock began to slip back down, down, perhaps making it clear which side the defense industry is on in the Syria debate. Down. Maybe uh, if the U.S. government could get on some of that stock action they, they and help can't. with the sequester. Ah. Oh, sequester joke. So we'll continue to watch what happens in Syria. I, yeah. did, I, t- I would not have called this outcome at the end of last week's episode. No. It's been a very fascinating no, to watch No, no, we, 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 were, we were like, oh, God. A little pessimistic. God. Yeah. yeah well, I have been for the last two weeks. How can, well, I've been a little bit more optimistic than you. But, yeah, yeah. But, man. I didn't expect Vladimir to ride in. Well, you know what? He's uh, he's looking good lately. You know, he's been working out. <laughs> Wait, right. That's a different laugh. Okay. Uh, you mean... Uh, <laughs> all right. So we've we got some feedback we've got to get to. Yes. We've got a correction to start we, with. Well, you know what? We, remember, we ask for your correction. You can right. send them in to us. Unfilter uh, show. Yeah. Unfilter at... No, just unfilter. At unfilter. Or, unfilter at Or the subreddit. Or, or the subreddit. And this actually came in via the subreddit. And the correction was David Miranda... Did not carry any passwords. The UK government is lying. I, I was super disappointed about that. Yes. Now, at the end of the transcript, they claimed that he was carrying a password that allowed them access to over 58,000 classified documents. Right. He was not carrying any password that allowed them access to any documents. They actually filed an affidavit the same day they made the claim saying, asking the court to let them continue to keep his belongings on the grounds that all of the material he was carrying was heavily encrypted, that they couldn't break the encryption, and then they only got access to 75 of the documents that he was carrying, most of which probably are ones related to his schoolwork and personal use. Hmm. Now, that is definitely different than what we were hearing from official reports. Official reports were saying he had a true crypt, you know, like password on there here. I, I went and grabbed the clip of uh, Glenn Greenwald on his interview on Democracy Now! talking about this. Um, and one of the things that happened is that the UK government just outright lied um, about what, what took place that day. They claimed he was carrying a password that allowed them access to 58,000 classified documents. He was not carrying any password that allowed them access to any documents. They actually filed an affidavit the same day they made that claim, saying, asking the court to let them continue to keep his belongings on the ground that all of the material he was carrying was heavily encrypted, that they couldn't break the encryption, and they only got access to 75 of the documents that he was carrying, most of which were probably ones related to his schoolwork and personal use. Um, But of course, media outlets just uncritically repeated what the UK government had said as though it were true. It wasn't true. It was a pack of lies. I just don't know why I don't believe him. I, I don't believe that for some reason. Yeah, no kidding. I feel like he's trying to save face. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, Smoothsey makes a good point in the chat room. He said, you should have expected Putin to weigh in. This is another proxy war in the eyes of the U.S. and Russia. Sure. I do agree there. I just yeah. didn't expect this particular maneuver. Um, and I'm not convinced it's not a delay tactic either. I'm, I'm coming with Shep on board, but I, it is it is interesting to see. And I'm, it's a good development, at least. It's a positive one. Yeah. We got yeah. another email? Yeah, we got an email in uh, from uh, some guy named Chris. Go figure that one out, mm, Chris. Can't. Uh, the description is Australian election and bias media. Hello, you should cover some of the stuff with the Australian election that's happening on September 7th. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the MSM Media all, over ninety percent owned by Rupert Murdoch. Oh, good. And his very biased to the Liberal Party of Australia leader Tony Abbott, with all his anti-policy and not answering questions when asked. By the way, you know I've been watching a lot of Australian television on yeah, YouTube. I know you have. Yeah, I love anything you know, on the elections. Nothing. Uh, but I've just been watching the show called Border Security. Oh, yeah. Well. There you go. Thanks for the update on this. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Actually, I, I was going to use this as an opportunity to plug the uh, feedback. Call us one four two five three one two seventeen fifty six and give us your on the scene uh, reporting of the elections because we really. Well, wait a minute. They may not be able to call that number. What if they can't call us, Chase? Well, Chris, they, they can actually Skype us. Skype is like free worldwide and it's <sighs> tapped by the NSA. But you can. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, but you can Skype us. Unfilter show all one word. You don't need to add it as a friend. Just call it. Uh, you'll get a voicemail message and just leave us your thoughts. That'd be great. Yeah. Or uh, if you uh, maybe are a little too shy and you still want to get involved with the show, submit some story ideas or start a conversation thread. We got a spl- we got a spot you can visit. What is it, Chase? Unfilter.reddit.com. I'm sorry. Now, you made a prediction last week. You said by episode 66, we yeah. get to 757 submitters. Where, 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 how, where are we at right now, Chase? Uh, 771. 775? 774. Oh, 774. You, you beat... Oh. We beat it. Yeah, by quite a bit. Yeah, we sure did. All we right, you got a prediction it. for next week? So staying, staying with the Boeing theme, I'm going to go with the next version of their awesome airplane, the Dreamliner. 787 is my prediction. That you can't... You can... That's crazy. You cannot... We can do that? I don't know. We can do this. I'm just thinking about the math of it, Chase. I don't know if the numbers work out. The, well, internet, anyway, is, no, the internet is not that Unfilter.reddit.com. Now, Chris, during yeah. the week, you do have thoughts and you're... I try to blast them out in about 140 characters of what sure? I call you don't, go, you don't go over? I try not to. Okay. Sometimes I go over a little bit because they let me. Fair it enough. exploits the codes. What about you? Are you on the Twitters? Well, well what's your Twitter address? Oh, twitter.com slash Chris L-A-S. Just want to make sure we get that out there. Thank you. Now, I am on the Twitters as well. Uh, twitter.com slash N-U-N-E-S, Nunes, which is my last name. Uh, you can also connect up with me at chasenunes.com. Very nice. You can connect up with me on Google, Facebook, what? everywhere. You got it all over the place. I'm ever, I'm social media. What about uh, like podcast stuff? Like, what if I wanted to watch something about Minecraft? Maybe geeky Minecraft gamer stuff? Minecraft, me, uh, Geek Gamer TV. We have some PAX coverage there. Geekgamer.tv. You were there for the PAX coverage. Good stuff. You got some free news stuff time. from there. I did. I want to remind oh, folks also, if you're awesome a supporter, stuff. go grab the supporter show. It's sitting in your inbox. You can also join us live on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Join us live. We'd love to see you. And now, bear that in mind. We will see you back here next next week. week.